These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. have a special guest for you today, and the Ravens, uh, their tight hand heavy offense, no one better to come and talk to us about this than former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. Daniel, how you doing? I'm great, Ken. Thanks for having me on. 
Uh, pleasure, pleasure is ours. I assure you. At Coach Wilcox on Twitter. Uh, do yes, you have a, a show you want to plug? That's a that's a current one you're working on. Absolutely, we got the Believe in the Navy, um, Believe in the Ravens podcast. You know, with Bo Smoko, he's a, re- a reporter there in Baltimore as well, and it's on the Believe Network. All right, outstanding. Well, Daniel, I uh, was very excited to have you on for a lot of reasons, but you know, the Ravens offense uh, being what it is, I wanted to harken back to your career first, though. Coming into the league, you, you, you're probably understand the emotions as well as anyone we've ever had on this show about uh, players who are just getting their first preseason action tonight, uh, guys who might end up obviously on the practice squad. A lot of guys going to have their career ended in about three weeks. Uh, but but tell us a little bit about your first three years in the league where you really only got into three games in total during that time. Right. So um, my first year in the league, of course, I went, I was an undrafted free agent to the New York Jets and I chose the Jets myself. You know, a lot of people don't understand that after the draft happens, the teams choose you during the draft. But after the draft, now you get to choose the teams, you know. So I had about 15 teams calling me after the draft. Um, the Ravens were one of the first ones. I was actually going to Baltimore first. And um, when they drafted Todd Heap, that means they had a Todd Heap first round pick. They had Shannon Sharp, pro bowler. Then they had Ben Coates, Hall of Famer, already on that team. And I would, that would automatically put me at the fourth, maybe fifth or sixth spot, uh, me coming in as an undrafted free agent. So I felt like the Jets were my best option. They had Anthony Beck, who was a first round draft pick from um, the University of West Virginia, I think the year prior to me coming out. And they had James Dirt, who was the starting long snapper on the team. So he's the backup tight end. So I'm like, I could definitely be the long snapper out, right? You know, so that put me at the number three spot in New York with the Jets. Plus, they didn't have anything like me. I was, I'm, I'm, ba- I'm basically what you're drafting right now. You know, I'm, I was your Isaiah Likely's. I was your, mm-hmm. your um, Mark Andrews. I was your Ty Heat type, you know, receiver, you know, receiving tight end, kind of hybrid, like H-back type that can get in the backfield, play a little bit of fullback as well. That that that's a great point. I want to get into that a little bit. The difference between a move tight end and an inline tight end. Can you kind of underline that for the for the fans? Yeah, inline tight ends are usually more traditional, you know. So Nick Boyle is kind of almost a hybrid as well, you know, where he's kind of um he's he's a bigger tight body. He's more of a blocking tight end than he is a receiving tight end, but he does catch the ball well, you know. But a a move tight end is going to usually be your shift move motion guy. You know, so and the importance of a move tight end, it keeps the defenses on their heels and it also tips off the offense exactly what they're doing, whether or not they're in zone or man before every single play. If I shift and go across the formation, Ken, and uh, the the linebacker or the safety runs with me, we know instantly they're in man-to-man coverage. Mm -hmm. And that tips off the quarterback, that tips off the outside receivers, that tips off the running backs. Everybody knows right now they're in man-to-man coverage, and we get a chance to go to our one-on-one battles. You know, So anytime I would shift across the formation, you know, that instantly let Kyle Bowler or Steve McNair or Flacco or Cordell Stewart or Anthony Wright, they let them know they can get the ball to Todd Heap or Derek Mason right away. That's that's a good tight end there. Can remember every quarterback he played with during <laughs> during his five years here, right? Yeah. In, in five seconds. Uh, you you mentioned the the motion component because the Ravens, I think, probably use their tight end motion, use their motion on tight ends mm-hmm. more than any other team. Uh, and they use yes. a lot of it on run plays, uh, but they use it on pass plays. Is there anything they lose versus having a uh, a slot receiver or an outside receiver go in motion instead? Well, yeah, a lot of times they they'll 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 move the, fl- the flanker who's the Z receiver, you know. Mm-hmm. So the guy that's off the ball is usually the move guy when it comes to receivers, you know. So you usually put your stud backside one on one, you know, at the X spot, and then the Z is the guy that's off the ball usually to the tight end side. You can't cover the tight end up, of course, because if you cover me up, then now I can't go out on the route. It makes me ineligible for a route. 
you know, so that Z receiver can go in motion to help also set up plays. And that's the guy that you usually want to be able to free up so you get a free release because he's usually a shifty type guy like your Mark Clayton types, right? Mm-hmm. Or your Hollywood Brown type guys, you know? So the X is usually a bigger receiver like Anquan Bolden, you know, and then you're it's usually more of a, a smaller, shiftier, you know, fast, speedy type guy that can kind of run away from guys and get open and have a little bit of shiftiness to it. All right. Outstanding. So you come to the Ravens after three years. You mm-hmm. got got a Super Bowl ring with Tampa? Yes, I did. I did an 2 3 up. All right. Outstanding. It's always good to get that out of the way early in your career, I well, guess. Who are you telling? I would have never got another shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad that 08 team and the 06 team, for that, for that yeah. matter, oh, those killed us as fans. Yeah. Heartbreaking, yeah. Uh, the when you came to Baltimore, the, the mm-hmm. tight end situation had freed up a lot. Todd Heap was still around, but of course, Sharp and Coates were were gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you're when you're with the Ravens at that point, um, what did your what was your role look like right away? Because I see you got targets right away when you came to the Ravens. It didn't. Right. I mean, a couple targets per game, a couple catches per, in most games. Yes. So when I when I came, I actually went to the NFL Europe before I came to Baltimore. So I was over in Germany and I got that was pretty much my breakout. You know, that's when people got a chance to see that I can really play the H back, the tight end position in this league. And they put me out wide at wide receiver in the slot at the tight end, the wing spot. And I played a little bit of fullback over there. And I think I caught about four or five touchdowns in those 10 games I had over there and had about 20 plus catches. So when I got back to Baltimore, I had just finished playing 10 regular season games plus another three or four preseason games before I left to go over there. So I, I was 14 games in when I got to Baltimore, then turned around and played another four or five preseason games. And um, then 16 game season and went into the playoffs that year. You know, so I played football for a year straight. So when I got to Baltimore, I was already polished. I was already warmed up. I didn't have to get used to running routes. I didn't have to get used to catching the ball. I didn't have to acclimate to to training camp. You know, I was already training camp ready. I was already football season ready. I was already ready to go play. So I came in right away. And um, the best thing happened to me that could possibly happen. I, I had I got Coach Wade Harmon as a coach, and he he recruited me out of App State. I remember when he came and um, you know, did my pro day, and he came back and did a private workout with me at App State. And he told me when he left that he said I was the best athlete that he worked out that year. Period, which was saying a lot from an NFL coach, you know. So the fact that he took his time to come to App State to work me out before the draft made me all hands in to go to Baltimore and then heap happened and, you know, all that other stuff happened. So I ended up in New York. So when I got a chance to come back to Baltimore, I was ready. Ken, I was, I was polished. I was, I was poised and I came in and making plays right away. And Harmon put me in situations that I could showcase my talents and my skills. And he knew exactly what type of player I was. And that Baltimore, Brian Billick was the first person to tell me I was an H back. You know, everybody else kind of bounced me around from tight end to receiver to fullback. Nobody knew what I was, and they was all confused. And when I say everybody else, I'm talking about Herman Edwards. I'm talking about John Gruden. And when I got to Baltimore, Brian Billick said, man, you're an H-back. He said, what the hell rock have you been hiding underneath, you know, for the last three years? But whoever let you go, thank God they let you go. You know, and um, I ended up, you know, finding a starting role as an H-back in Baltimore, and I played there for five years. Uh, so uh, we're lucky. We were certainly lucky to have that happen. I, I'll uh, I'll say that that the Ravens have made some great players you played with, contemporaries of yours, into instant parts of the offense. Mm-hmm. When they just showed a little bit, Ovi Mahaley is a name that comes to mind as a guy who the second half of the 2006 season took off. Had caught like two career catches before that, and then he had that touchdown at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It went rumbling up the left side for about 30 yards. Uh, and and he took off with about 20 catches the rest of the year. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Ken. Can I interject and say something right now? 
<laughs> Always. <laughs> um, Ovi Mahaley, when I first got to Baltimore, I didn't know where I was going to stay. So I actually stayed with Ovi, you know, my first really? year in Baltimore. Yeah. So we spent the entire off season together and he asked me, I asked him, could I stay with him? He said, man, only if you teach me how to catch. Cause I killed it my first year in Baltimore. I balled out when I first got there. So I gained his respect after that first season. So that, that following off season, I stayed the whole off season with Ovi. Um, through my transition to trying to find me somewhere to stay. And I actually work with Ovi every day on how to catch the ball and how to run with the ball and do things like that. And he had a breakout season the next year. And then the Falcons take him after that. Totally unscripted. Did not know this was yeah. true. It's amazing. We just, we stumble on these kind of things, but love that kind of inside football. A lot of, a lot of football players stay together. You you, you get what living accommodations yeah. you can, but right. uh, the Ravens even, I think, Two years ago now? No, it was when Sealer was a rookie. So uh, uh, he was a seventh round draft pick and he was staying with Bradley Bozeman in a big camper home they'd bought. And it was, it was a, just an unusual situation. But uh, that's great that you're able to do that. I always hear about uh, Edgerton Hartwell, I think, staying, staying yeah, with another yeah. Raven and whatnot. So right. you guys you work with. All right. Uh, so that, that uh, 2006, Steve McNair came to Baltimore and uh, you caught Steve McNair's first touchdown pass as a Raven. Absolutely. That's good insight, Ken. Go ahead, buddy. Just, just remember here, we're going to go through a few of these because I got a visual <laughs> memory. So I remember a lot of right. these touchdowns. There's a like, one-yard TD. You you uh-huh. did one of your uh, disappearing acts off the line of scrimmage to get free in the end zone. Mm-hmm. What, was your, what was your, did you have a, a, a go-to move to get free in the end zone, like on, on just a one-yard release kind of thing? Well, you know, my background is a receiver. So I was a receiver all the way through college. My last year, I moved to H-back and tight end, you know, type position. And um, that's what got me to the NFL. So I had a bag full of releases, you know, from being a wideout. I took those same releases from being a wideout and I moved them inside just playing tight end and nobody could touch me. Like I was, like you said, disappearing at, that's a great terminology to use. I would pull these disappearing acts and you would, by the time you realized that I was gone, you know, and um, it was too late by that time, you know. So um, if you put me one-on-one with anybody, nobody was going to stop me. My go-to move was like a double move at the line of scrimmage. And you would never think you would be able to do a double move on the line of scrimmage. But I, could, I actually could. You know, I could give you a short jab step to the left or the right to start you off. A hard head fake to the other side away from that first jab step. And then I can, sl- I can dip my shoulder and slip and stay low enough to, you know, to slide right past you while you're going to the other direction. So I'll make the defense think I'm going one way because that first hezzy move is really a hezzy move. That first hezzy move actually, you know, freezes them. They jump hard on your second move. So if you're a good tight end, you always know they're going to sit on the first move, which is the hezzy, and they're going to take the second move. That's what they're taught. So I would make them think the second move was the way I was going with the head fake and the shoulder motion and everything. And then I would take it all away from them as soon as they started to get ready to punch or, or, or try to put hands on me. By the time they put hands up, I'm already slipped them and underneath them going to the other side already. Outstanding, outstanding yeah. stuff. Did you always keep your feet as a tight end at the, at the line of scrimmage? Cause there's Jackie Smith going back to him in the seventies mm-hmm. and early eighties was a guy who liked to kind of, cut block, go to the ground, get up and catch the ball off play action. Did you ever do that kind of move? I only did that play, that that move when I cut block and then get into the line, get into the, the route it, when we did like a, a hidden play, like a bootleg trick play or something, mm-hmm. you know, so I would cut the defensive end or I would trip like I'm falling down or something and then get up and take off when the whole floor motion is going in the opposite direction of me. And then it'd be like kind of like a throwback play, but I never had to do that. I would really, I actually took all of the ball. So if you ever watch offensive guards and tackle, you know, left to right of the center, they kind of go back in this V type formation. 
And then if you look at any film of me, you'll, you'll see me all the way up on the ball so that you could tell that the tackle is almost in the backfield and I'm almost, you know, perfectly on the line of scrimmage. I wanted to get as close to the D lineman as possible because I only weighed about 225, 228 by the end of the season every year. So if I didn't get my hands on the D lineman first, then he it was 100% of the time he was going to win that block. There's nothing I could do. You know, I had to get my hand on first establish leverage first um establish contact and then try to shock him with a, with a you know with a bang of my helmet to kind of you know disorient him a little bit and then get my hands underneath and grab his pads if i was going to have a chance to block these guys it was usually twice my size you know at 6263 240 um, 230 i mean 225 you know most of these guys were Simeon rice height yeah, sure <laughs> Go ahead. I'm a big fan of uh, arm length, particularly in offensive tackles and what that means. So you would have probably had shorter arms than, than a lot of the defensive ends you're facing. I'm just guessing you might have been you know, 32 inches or something. And they probably were 34 in a lot of cases. Did you have to do any, any kind of a single jab or, or a one arm is longer than two move to, to get off the line of scrimmage or, 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 or even to establish that first contact? No, I, my, my hands was, I was always quicker. So I was really, really fast, really quick and twitchy. So I was able to get their hands off me immediately. If they tried to get them up to touch me, I could slap their hands off before they can get them on me good enough. So releasing was never an issue for me. That was my, probably my, my talent. That was my gift, probably releasing, getting off the line. Um, when it came to blocking, now I had to, I had to stab, you know, lock out one really, really hard and then grab with the inside arm and try to pull them to me so I could kind of turn their shoulder pads so I could position myself to get into a position between the running back or the quarterback and that defender. Otherwise, you know, they would just toss me like a rag doll. Did, did offensive line coaches at that point or your tight end coach call that twerking the defender or did they did they have a different word for it? That's what Dallas Sanders calls it these days. I like it. It, it was a torque. They call it torque, like torquing him, you know, yeah. not twerking him. If you say twerking, they're going to get that mixed up with, you know, a girl <laughs> dancing, you know, shaking a butt a little bit, Ken. No, twerking, twerking is exactly what I said. That's correct. No, no, no. it's twerking. It's twerking. Yeah. You want to torque him. It's, it's the yeah. torque that you pull into it, push and pull action. Fair enough. Uh, I, I, rather than go through the remainder of your career, I kind of want to talk about the current tight ends for the Ravens okay. and, and kind of sure. how they line up. Uh, so obviously a, a mix of talents with with Boyle likely, who's a, a definitely an inline guy, meaning he's either on the line of scrimmage at the end, leaning forward, or he's or he's split. Um, mm -hmm. And do you think we'll see likely as a move tight end much this year at all? Yeah, I think that's exactly what his role is going to be. I think he, I think he, they brought him in to be like uh, another Mark Andrews or another, um, what's the kid we had about three years that went to the Falcons, um, Hurst, James Hurst. I think they brought him in to kind of be a, a, a receiving tight end, you know, the guy that's going to be about that action. You know, um, the, the inline guys are the ones that usually do more blocking and, and protecting and staying in sometimes on routes. They still get a, you know, a treat here and there as well but I think they brought likely into being an explosive guy if you watched any film on him at Coastal Carolina I used to coach I used to be a, the director of recruiting and player personnel at Georgia State and Coastal was in our region so I had to see likely you know you know once or twice a year um but that kid is a is he's a big receiver he's exactly what I was in college I mean he's catching deep balls down the seam he's going he's out wide running fade routes he's doing it all man he, he's basically a big oversized receiver that could run you know he's 6'4 240 you know, 245, somewhere around that range. And he's, he's tied heap all over again, pretty much. Now, Georgia State, you just mentioned Mike Curry. Was he still there when you started at, at, uh, at or did you just know of his tenure there? I know he's getting towards the end, uh, probably when you started there. Yeah, he was gone already by the time I got there. I came in in, in the Sean Elliott area, the, okay. the Sean Elliott era. Who's there right now? He's still there now coaching. 
Okay. Georgia State, a great school if you want to go to be an actuary, by the way. Got a great actuarial program there. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Mark Andrews, uh, what superlatives would you throw on him? What is it about his game that you look up to and you say, wow, there's no one else who can do that? Mark is very polished. Like He came into the league like years beyond what I was when I first came in. Like I knew, I kind of understood leverage a little bit, but Mark is almost like a, a geometry you know, physics whiz, whiz or something on the field. So w- there's a thing when it, when you when you're a receiver or a tight end, you have to learn how to force the DB to stay put, or you got to learn how to make the DB move off his mark. And you understand leverage and you understand coverages, right? So if he's playing inside shape, that automatically tells me that he's trying to stop me from getting inside. I, I want to take that inside. I want to threaten him. I want to threaten him hard inside to get him to move inside more to give me the lane to run down the scene. Mark's Mark understood leverage from day one. He walked into the NFL. He knew how to move the guys. He knew how to make them sit still. It took me two or three years to figure that out. You know, he came in already doing this at Oklahoma. You know, he was miles and years ahead. You know, that's that's the great Ozzy Newsome. You know, right to just figure it out. You know, sit back and watch a guy and say, all right, this kid gets it. You know, he he's not. Mark is not, he's a good athlete. He's a great athlete, but he's not like the most elite athlete in the world. He has an obsessional set of hands that are phenomenal. That's his true gift, his hands and his mind, because he can make you move when you don't want to move. And he can make you go places that you're not supposed to go. And then he's able to free himself up and get open on routes that he probably shouldn't be open on. And then he has a unique size that gives him that, that, that lean, well, he can lean on you a little bit and be able to separate from you or go over top of you and take it from you. And he has, you know, his hands are just phenomenal. If it touches his hand, it's usually a, a catch, you know, and that's what you want is consistency. This is a uh, an offense with Greg Roman that I'm guessing a lot of tight ends love to play in, a lot of 12 and 13. And when I say a lot of 13, it's still 5 6% of the total plays. It's not a lot, not a, a tremendous amount. But when they put either two or three tight ends on the field, opposing the offense, sorry, opposing defensive coordinators are driven nuts by that because they have to react to that apparent uh, formation you're going to use. And it's not as apparent with 12 or 13 formation, with 12 or 13 personnel as to how you guys are going to line up. See, I'm glad you're saying that. And it's awesome, man. You don't usually get on these podcasts and hear people say 12 and 13 and everybody knows what they're talking about. He's talking about personnel. So one running back, two tight ends, one running back, three tight ends. Those are personnel groupings in the NFL. Um, When you go a three tight end set, most people are going to do what? They're going to bring in big guys. They they think you're going to try to run the ball. Well, the Ravens don't have, they got receiving tight ends. They got so many receiving tight ends. They could come in and three tight end personnel and still run every single route that you could run the receivers with those three tight ends on the field. That's what makes them hard to guard and hard to defend with. Then when you got a quarterback like Lamar, that becomes another run threat. So that means you got one running back. You got one, you got one running back, one receiver, um, and then three tight ends on the field. Now you got a running back in Lamar Jackson. So you account for the running back thinking that he's going to get the ball. Why? Because you because you got three tight ends on the field. Most people go to that in short yardage and goal line situations. That's the only time they run three tight ends on the field with one wide out. I mean, you got one guy normally that's going to go into the route. Everybody else is going to stay in and protect. Well, in Baltimore, you could put all three of those tight ends into the route as well, just like the route. And they can run, and they long, and they can catch. So you can't put DBs on them. You got to put bigger guys on them that usually can't cover, you know, so that makes them a mismatch for most teams. And that's what made us so special in Baltimore with me and Todd, you know, me, Todd, Darnell Dinkins, you know, Terry Jones, the group of tight ends that we had when we was there, we all could run, we all could catch and we all could block really well as well. So 
it, it, it changes the dynamics of the game when you can put three tight ends on the field and they all run like receivers and catch like receivers and you're not afraid to throw anything to those guys. And the other team got to have three or four linebackers or, or oversized safeties that could run and cover these guys. You can't mm-hmm. put a cornerback on them. They're too small. They'll manhandle the corner, throw them to the ground, push them out of the way, um, whatever. And then you can't put a, a, a safety on them that can't move because these guys can move like receivers. And you can't put linebackers on that can't cover, you know, guys like Suggs can cover. He couldn't cover you. Well, he could run and go get the passer and, and, and make plays, and he's athletic enough to change direction. But when they come to covering and having to mirror somebody, it was not his specialty. Yeah. Neither was Jared Johnson, you know, so – it takes a special Sam yeah. linebacker, Tyus Bowser, somebody who's got real speed, real coverage skills to, to mm-hmm. stay with you off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, I, I did want to talk about Lamar Jackson briefly. And I, if you could just give me an idea of what Lamar Jackson does for you, either coming out of an apparent mesh point situation, what he might do for a tight end, what that causes the linebacker to do in, in terms of additional read steps and how it can free up a, a, a tight end as much as anybody else in, in the Ravens current offense. I think what makes Lamar Jackson so special is his burst, his first two or three steps is top speed, you know, and that's what, that's his talent, right? He can get the top speed from zero to 60 in two steps. And so flow is really important. They always teach you to stay one, like one yard behind the guy. If you're a linebacker and you're chasing somebody sideline to sideline, never get in front of them, never get even with them. Well, it's hard not to get even when you got a running back that can take it the distance. And it's hard not to get even when you got tight ends on the field that can take it the distance. And you got a quarterback that's phenomenal. You know, you think I got it. This guy's so fast. I got to get there quicker. So you overflow things. You tend to overrun things. So mm-hmm. if we was to run like a stretch right play, and then the running back gets outside on the edge twice. Now everybody's overflowing, you know? So now you run that same stretch, you know, looking play, and then you have Lamar pull it and go back the opposite direction. There's nobody there that's going to catch Lamar Jackson. He's going to be wide open. He's going to, he could run 60, 70 yards, hit his head on the goalpost and keep running into the tunnel before somebody <laughs> catch him, you know? So that's what makes him so dynamic, you know? So you can't, he, it's a real threat that you have to stay at home now, guess what happens when you have to stay at home? That allows the running back, that speedy two, that can run to get outside because now everybody is waiting to make sure that Lamar don't come out the back door. You know, so those things really affect the flow of a game and it really affects the way a defense has to play. That you force the defense to stay at home, to do their real keys, to be to be loyal. I'm trying to look for a word here, Ken. Help me out. Mm-hmm. I'm looking, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get them to stay loyal. Committed to, to what they're, they're committed to their rules. That's mm-hmm. it. They got to stay committed to their rules and they break the rules all the freaking time on defense mm-hmm. because they think they're so athletic that they can do it. But when you have somebody like Lamar at quarterback, you force them to stay at home. They cannot go. They can't cheat. They can't go out. They can't run too fast and flow too fast. They have to be patient. I, I've you've been watching, I think the Ravens pretty closely, at least the last three years where mm-hmm. Lamar ran almost, well, primarily out of pistol in 2019 and primarily out of sidecar the last two years, which it, it, it just for other folks out there, when he runs out of sidecar, Lamar's really a run in the middle threat. When they run out of pistol, he's a run to one side threat. Which do you think is more effective for the receiving elements of the game in terms of uh, having Lamar in sidecar or or in pistol? Um, I, I think whatever. So I, I think Lamar is just a threat altogether. So the receivers, I don't think it really matters. As long as Lamar gets the ball in his hand and as long as he's effectively getting the ball outside and he can see whatever allows him to see better for his lanes to get the balls to the receivers outside. That's all that really truly matters. I don't think the pistol matter or the side matter 
at the end of the day, he's in the shotgun the same way no matter what you know um and it's just really about me running my route as a receiver not taking too long to get off the line of scrimmage and giving him an opportunity to see me open and and so he could throw me open if i'm not you know that's that's great because i i hear the language here and i hear you you know kind of putting yourself in this position obviously but uh wouldn't you have loved to play with lamar jackson heck yeah i've never (laughs) the closest i've ever had to lamar in my entire life as a receiving or a tight end was steve mcnair and um, when Steve came in, like it just it, it changed the game for you. When you play with guys like Aaron Rodgers, your Lamar Jacksons, your Tom Brady's, your Peyton Manning's, um, you know, your Drew Breeses, even your Michael Vick's, you know, your, even your Roethlisberger's guys that can extend those plays, you know, that extra two seconds to give you a little opportunity to get open. Because sometimes you do get jammed at the line of scrimmage, but you still can figure out a way to to maneuver and fix that route. And you, now you're open, but by the time you get open, the quarterback has came off of you and he's ran a different direction or whatever. And he's panicked or something and took a sack that he shouldn't have had to take, man. So when you play with guys like Lamar, even when you're wrong, they make you right. And, you know, you love playing with guys like that. That's a that's a great finish there, Daniel. Such a pleasure to have you on. Please tell us again anything you'd like to plug right now in terms of other materials. And uh, you're at Daniel Wilcox. Uh, uh, sorry, at Coach Wilcox on Twitter. Yes. I'm um I'm I'm at Daniel Dot Wilcox on IG and I'm Coach Wilcox. But um I mean thanks Kim man I appreciate you having me on. It was really awesome, bro. You don't get a chance to talk, you know, football all the time on these things on these podcasts. But you have such a unique audience and a great audience, man. You're able to talk real football terminology, and I think that takes you to another level, brother. Good luck. I, I really appreciate that, Daniel. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. Always open. Love to hear from you. I'll get right back to you. Daniel, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. Be safe. And we'll talk talk to you next time on yes, Film sir. Study. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.